Anybody who wants to get into, you know, managing their own properties need to hear this story. It's not easy, man. I mean, the cash flow when it comes is good, but when things go wrong and if you're not built for it. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam AAA Adams, and today I am without Jason Lewis. So, uh, Jason is actually on another call at the same time as this. So he won't be on this call, but that uh, solo episode with him will be coming out any minute. Um, Today, I am joined with Raj. Raj, you know what I should have done? I should have made absolute certain that I knew the best way to pronounce your last name before we got started, and I neglected it. So I guess my first question (laughs) is, can you pronounce your last name for me uh, so that that we can get into the rest of the episode? Man, sure. I hope I, I can do it right. Uh, it's Raj Techindani. 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 Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Raj Techindani, pleasure to have you. We've been friends for a little while. We've uh, collaborated on some things, uh, helped each other out. Uh, so I appreciate everything. And it's good to finally get you on the show. If I remember correctly, I was going to get you on the show like seven or eight months ago, but. <laughs> But then it, it got really busy with putting on the Raising Money Summit, and I canceled on you. Yes. Sir. I hope you'll forgive me. But for the listener, we're going to get into some stuff that I think is going to help you a lot when thinking about maybe growing your presence, marketing, branding. And if you're looking to attract OPM, that's other people's money, Raj has some ways to systemize this to make it a lot easier for you. So we're going to discuss how to market, how to brand so that you can grow your influence and attract more capital. So I'm really excited about that. I think we're going to have a lot of value on this podcast. So Raj, I want you to just take me back, take me to the first real estate deal you'd ever done. Um, I don't have it all in front of me, but I know you have like nine condos in Florida. You've got uh, 16 or so, maybe it's 20 units of multifamily that you own by yourself. And then you're on the general partnership of several hundred other multifamily syndications where you were able to use these same systems we're talking about today to actually attract more capital. So I'm excited to get into it, but take me back first to the very first deal you ever did. What year was it? Were you stressed out? Were you freaking out? Was everything okay? Or was was it just smooth sailing? Tell me about that first deal. Oh man, the first deal was actually a total accident. You know, I was chugging along in my startup job working however hours we were working on when my friend said, you know, we need to take a trip down to Orlando. I said, why? Do uh, you think we are age of the Disney, Disney kids? He said, no, no, no. Orlando is a booming place. It will be booming in the future. And the, you know, the house prices or the real estate prices are just down. I said, well, interesting. I've never invested in a real estate, but I'll go down with you. And he had some properties there. So we took, take a trip down there and Orlando, my God, the, property values were incredibly, uh, you know, shattered. Uh, there were condos that had been selling, you know, a few years ago for 200000 or two fifty, down to $30,000, $40,000 for those condos, one bedroom. 
And I'm like, oh my God. And this is, you know, I, I, you know, still conservating my money sitting in my bank in my CDs. I said, okay, this is a great opportunity to break one of those CDs and invest in one condo. 34,500, you know, is, was my first purchased condo. And I, you know, plunged and it's been no looking back from then. Okay. So how did you close on this deal? Was it, was it all cash? Did you get a loan? Um, no, it was, this was all cash, all cash. And okay. you know, there was no was loans. Part, was it more like a partnership between you and your friend who took you down there? Or did you buy this on your own? No, I bought it on my own. My friend already had a couple of, you know, condos in the same apartment complex of the condo complex. So it gave me a little bit of comfort that he had already invested in that apartment complex. He knew of a property manager that would manage this for us because, you know, I mean, managing even a small one bedroom condo room was not my uh, my target uh, to do this, uh, but yeah, fortunately it worked out well, and the I fell in love with the cash flow coming in, and I also sensed the prices going up, so I took another step and invested another one, another one, another one, and eventually you know uh, moved on from one bedroom to two bedrooms to three bedrooms, uh, and eventually bought nine condos that are beautifully cash flowing till recently. Um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, had no issues so far in that investment. Awesome. And so, um, when did you buy, what is it like, was it 16 units? Of, no, it's of actually 15, 15 unit multifamily. 15 units. Yeah. Okay. When did you buy that? That was in 2016. So, you know, about four years later, uh, when I got comfortable, it's still working full time in my, you know, startup job, working in crazy hours. And I thought I could, you know, now move from single family to now that I've learned about or read about, you know, multifamily, the ease of use and, you know, economies of scale and how is he one bill, one tax bill versus, you know, nine bills that I was paying for all these places. So I took a plunge, uh, found a, you know, property on LoopNet, believe it or not, but just happened to be down the street from where I live. And it's in the neighboring town, which is a town that is upcoming. It is not, you know, your... Town that you know, I would compare it to, you know, posh towns or whatever. It was I knew it was on the street that is better part of the town. So I, again, another bet. I took it and I invested in it. Okay, so and that that's in Boston, close to your close to Boston, where do you close, live? Yeah, north of Boston. Yeah. Let me ask you this question: What made you even think that it was the right thing to get into multifamily? You you had condo, condo, condo. You know. One bed, one bed, two bed, two bed, three bed, you know, and then all of a sudden you were thinking, oh, I'll just buy a whole building. I'll, I'll just buy an entire building. What kind of got you into that? I think it was more of, you know, managing, you know, one entity versus so many different entities and the tax bills and the, the different kind of bills and the property management, you know, of all these things. And I said, okay, what? I'll find one property manager, you know, just one, you know, thing to deal with. And it's, you know, close to my house so I can keep an eye on it. So, why not? So that made me comfortable doing a multifamily. Okay. Was it more one bedrooms in that multifamily, two bedrooms? These are actually all two bedrooms and one bath. All two. Okay. All right. So here we are, 2016. You find a property close to your house. Your thoughts are, I've been doing all these single family and it's a lot of LLCs. It's a lot of different tax bills. It's a lot of different work. Maybe if I could have it all under one roof, it would help me manage it a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So how come you didn't go and sell all these condos and right right then 
I you know, never thought of it because they were simply cash flowing, you know, okay. beautifully. And like, you know, there was the property manager was working fine. The condos are cash flowing. And I was like, you know, why should I do that? I had some extra cash come in. So I said, okay, let me invest this cash. I'm not going to put my money back in the CDs or savings account again. So this is it. This is it. Cool. Cool. So tell me, tell me just how did that, how is that 15 unit working out? Uh, notwithstanding that we're recording this during coronavirus and yeah, things yeah. change a little bit during this time. And I suspect things might change for the next couple of years. Yeah. However, I, I'm very curious, you know, what was the purchase price of the, of your first apartment that you bought on your own? And um, how is it cash flowing? What's the cap rate, et cetera? What, yeah. what does that deal look like? So the deal, I mean, now it's been a while, but the deal, uh, when I, when I took it over, it was, the purchase price was uh, just short of $900,000. So I, you know, put in a chunk of change from my own. I collected all my you know, cash, whatever sitting there. And I said, okay, I'll take a loan on this one. Uh, signed on the loan document, took it over. Building was 100% occupied. You know, uh, the cap rate at that time was uh, probably seven something. I don't remember exactly. But there was a property manager in place. And I was like, this is beautiful. I mean, I don't have to do much. It okay. was a nightmare. Oh, uh, boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't wait. So the story, the story, the story just takes a turn, right? All right. So let me, let's do this, Raj. I promised the listener that we're going to really get into the marketing and, and raising yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we're going to go. Yeah. But you just mentioned that you had an issue. It was a nightmare, I think you said. So I think they need to hear yeah. it before yeah. we get into that. Absolutely, they need to hear it. And anybody who wants to get into, you know, managing their own properties need to hear the story. It's not easy, man. I mean, the cash flow when it comes is good, but when things go wrong and if you're not built for it, like I'm a software guy, I'm a technology guy. And, you know, these issues just came up, right? I mean, the, the, so everything looked good on paper, right? I mean, I, I realized that there's a difference between economic occupancy and physical occupancy. The physical occupancy was 100. The economic was close to 60. Nobody, you know, showed me those reports. I didn't do proper due diligence. I mean, thinking that, hey, you know, I know how to, you know, buy properties. I've got nine condos in Orlando. This will be a piece of cake. The property manager turned out to be, which was not disclosed to me, a relative of the owner. Uh, he was doing whatever it was to be done to sell the building, you know, and he quickly bailed out on me after we purchased the building. There were bills that were not disclosed. I mean, expenses were not disclosed. I mean, the snow removal, the, you know, pest control, little expenses that, you know, you would probably overlook knowing, owning a bunch of things in Florida, right? I mean, there's no snow expenses that you pay attention to, but now we are in Boston. And those expenses piled up on me, man. Fortunately, you know, I, uh, the, I was still barely paying my mortgage, so I was okay. So I scrambled to find another property manager uh, who was uh, who came with a decent you know references, but that didn't work out either. Occupancy was getting up, but not getting to the point that I was comfortable with it. Still, you know, because it's close to my house, I got more involved than I wanted to. And yeah, it was it was uh, it was a nightmare. And you know, after a while, I don't know if you guys or your listeners would know. In that area, we had some gas explosions. You know, the Columbia mm-hmm. gas leaks and. The entire neighborhood, this building wasn't affected, but the neighborhood was impacted. So we were told, don't collect any rents from these tenants, you know, just till the situation is better. I mean, there was no gas connection. There was nothing. We had to supply them heaters. It was, a, you know, interesting episode. It was a learning lesson. 
When did it turn around? I mean, it, it seems like it's doing well now. It's doing well now. I mean, it turned around after my third property manager took it over. And he said, you know what, we'll turn this around. And they dealt with all the Columbia gas insurance and all those things for me. And I was ready to sell it off. I mean, I was like, you know, okay. Fortunately for, for my case, when I bought it, I knew the area well, again, you know, because I'd done some research on the data of the rents and all that stuff. I knew there was the rents were below market. That fortunately has, you know, kept the boat afloat. And, you know, I bought when the rents were 80, 800 or something change. Rents are now almost 14, 1500 in that one unit. So wow. the rents have gone up. And we had some Section 8 tenants, so they kept paying you know, pretty good. So things have been keeping afloat there, and now the property is in decent shape. What's, what is the NOI right now? Uh, I'll have to look into it, Adam. I, uh, okay, but all good, no problem. Yeah, oh yeah. It's, it's, but it sounds to me that the NOI more than doubled. It, right. it just feels like yeah, it more it, than it, doubled. It, it doubled. So, yeah. so if, if you bought it for about 900000 there's a good chance that you have – You've, you've gained a million yes. in equity. I say, yes, I think I would say that. Uh, the, definitely the prices are up minus since the COVID situation, we don't know. And But, you know, I was getting offers for 1.5 till last year. And I said, you know, let me hold on and see how we can completely turn it around. Awesome. So I'm yeah, holding it for now and uh, it's paying the bills. So awesome. no I'm, there, glad you, I'm glad you did. I'm yeah. glad you did. So then you got into uh, bringing... Uh, yourself to to get in front of people, let them know about opportunities, use some technology, use your marketing skills, and you've been able to raise money for syndication. Yeah, right. Um, so there's a few listeners, I'm sure, that are thinking, man, that's what I want to get into. I want to get into to rate being able to raise equity. And Raj has done a really good job at this. So Raj, take us uh, take us through. I guess the process yeah. of actually attracting more capital, systemizing it with the technology and any other steps that you think are going yeah. to be helpful for the listener yeah. to be able to do what you've sure. done. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll just share what worked for me, right? So what worked for me is, so we'll skip over to how I moved from that into syndication. So I went through a whole lot of education for myself, you know, took almost a year educating myself, investing in passive deals first, and then getting into, you know, you know, doing my own stuff. But all through this, I got very comfortable with the process of syndication itself, right? Understanding the, uh, I was good at finding data markets and all that stuff. So working with passive investor, uh, general partners as a passive investors first to learn, you know, what is, happens when you do a syndication of this level, you know, 200 units or 300 units, or whatever the numbers are. It's a whole different ballgame. It's very different from a 15 unit. So that's what I learned and did a more, lot of, of. But once I got comfortable with my passive investments, I you know teamed up with other channel partners to say, okay, you know, I want to get into more of this. And I think I have a lot of friends that have no idea about this stuff. Their money is still sitting in the bank. They're still you know investing in stock markets. They have no clue about how to take the benefits of what a real estate investor can get. So basically, it started with you know meeting people, you know, bringing people together. I had to buy lunch for, you know, my four friends in a, you know, in a, in a small uh, place. I said, you know, come listen to me. Come listen to me. This is what I'm doing. And they said, okay, you know what? You got, it's after hours or whatever. Uh, they had a break or some sort. And they, they, so four people I get got together in a room and they said, yeah, that's exciting. And I said, okay, this is, I'm going to do this again. I, so I had another meeting and had another meeting and eventually created a meetup this, you know, because I just wanted to systemize or formalize it. So I created a meetup in the Boston area that, like I said, had 
10 members initially. Now it's grown up to over 600 members. But what I did was I, and this meetup was not your typical meetup. Hey, come drink, have beer, shake hands with people and just, you know, talk and network. I purposely kept it as a very educational meetup. So, you know, we took one topic in every month, every meetup to talk about uh, data analysis and mar- how do you find markets? What do you look for uh, in a market? What are the factors that you consider? What's an underwriting? What do you look for in underwriting? What does, you know, comps mean? You know, what are the technologies available to do comps? So a lot of that educational stuff went along. And, you know, I, and through this, you know, I was also learning on my own. Like I said, I had a technology background, so I started using some tools like Inodo, you know, me and all this stuff just to educate myself and then educate my investors. A lot of investors, you know, thought, okay, this is a data guy. He's doing something nice, so let's we'll invest with him. But I said, you know, let me just make sure that you understand these things properly. So a lot of education went into this stuff. I mean, it may look easy now, but a lot of... So sort of almost built like a knowledge platform for these guys that I had uh, through my uh, meetups. Okay. So a couple, couple quick questions. For the next one that I want to ask, because I've got so many in my head. Um, I want to ask you, was hosting a meetup a huge part of you being able to raise equity for deals or, or was it just kind of a nice to have? Uh, in my case, it was, I would say, the huge part. Okay. It was okay. a huge part. But not the only part. I mean, there was a lot of other pieces that I was doing along with my meetup, like my blogs, uh, you know, uh, my podcast appearances, all that, you know, contributed to it. And okay. plus, plus you know, the deals coming along, yeah. Well, let me, may I ask, how do you get booked on podcasts? So for, for, for me, it's easy right now. For you, I'm sure it's really easy today. Mm-hmm. But for a listener who hasn't yet gotten on a podcast mm-hmm. ever, and they they heard you say that those really helped, what what would you say would be the easiest way to kind of get into being a guest on other people's yeah. podcasts? What do you have to do? I mean, you have to have a story. You have to have a story that you can you know people can relate to, and your host should you know uh, take you on that story and say, okay, this is something that my listeners can believe in. For a lot of my initial podcasts was, you know, how a tech guy, you know, left his job and full-time doing real estate now. That was my story, you know, the, the transition from technology, data analytics to a full-time real estate uh, professional. That was my story. And I and I'm obviously, you have to find the right people you want to connect with. I mean, Adam Adams, Michael Blanc, you know, Rod Cleave. I, I wrote notes to everybody saying, hey, guys, this is my story. I think you're, I, I've, I've been hearing you, your podcast. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've heard these episodes that, you know, resonated very well. These guests were absolutely brilliant. But I have a story that I want to share with your listeners. And uh, some of them, you know, most of them gave me a chance, I would say. <laughs> I really like that. That yeah. is really good information. Like for, for a listener who's wondering how to get booked on podcasts, that mm-hmm. was that was just on point. If you do it the way that Raj just discussed, where you you know listen to the episodes, get to know what's what is being said, and then say, and I have a story that I would love to share, or I would be happy to share. I guess in for me, in my opinion, that if I would love to share sounds almost like I want to do this, but I would be happy to share almost gives it a, a thought process of, I don't need to be on, 
but you might want me, you know, so mm-hmm. it comes across a little different. So I would, I'd be happy to share my story, being able to go from this to this to this. Yeah. And I would say if, if you are investing passively in deals, it feels like all of the multifamily podcasters, Whitney, me, uh, who Rod, Rod Cleef and, mm-hmm. And Michael Blanc mm-hmm. and Joe Fairless. It feels mm-hmm. like if you if you're coming from a place of I want to I would be happy to share my story of doing this and then being passive in deals and now doing this other thing. That could really make each of us be like, yeah, I would love to have somebody who could share their experience of being passive investor because all of us um, podcast hosts. Uh, one of the reasons why we do it. Obviously, we want to give back. I hope that's obvious to everybody listening. Mm-hmm. But we also need to be able to get some value out of it too. So, in being able to transition listeners into passive investors, I love it, Raj. That was that was perfect. Um, how about how about since you said that it was very important for you and all the money that you've raised for your deals? Um, I think how many doors are you as of the recording? Uh, in on about 650. 650. 650 yeah yeah wow that's awesome and so to for you to raise the equity that it took to close on these 650 you said that hosting your meetup was really important could you give us just two or three tips of what made it so that your meetup is having i think a hundred or more people every month i mean it, you even had to tell um you even got told by all of your meetup attendees hey, this is getting too crowded. We need a bigger spot. And so you recently did that. What are some tips? I think the differentiating factor that they found in my meters was it was an educational meetup. It was very interactive. Uh, I would take up a topic and, you know, maybe a few slides on the projector, get started that way. And obviously when you have, you know, people in the room, there'll be some other syndicators who, you know, come to listen or whatever, then they can add value. So it becomes like a, almost like a mega mastermind kind of thing where everybody's learning from each other and there is no, uh, no judgment zone, you know, there is, and people felt very comfortable uh, is what I felt, you know, from the other side that they're very comfortable coming in here. I didn't care who, what their background was, where are they coming from? What kind of experience they had? I said, this is the topic. I'm going to tell you how I've learned it, how I can share it. These are the books, whatever it takes me, you know, I just laid out my story. And so as you're, as you're bringing people in and you're, you're, not, you're not doing sales pitches, it sounds like. There's no like sales pitch or anything. Okay, so they feel comfortable. They feel, they feel like you're not going to uh, try to cram something down their throat. You're just there to kind of give. You're doing a lot of education. It's not just uh, some, some meetups are, hey, let's just have beer and, and do nothing, but just connect. And some meetups are, are like, Let's let's have a presentation that has been presented by a paying speaker who is trying to convert the audience into customers. So you're right in there. They're doing more education. I love that. How how about like getting a hundred people is not a small feat. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a big undertaking. So you must be, in my opinion. Either uh, you're, there's a lot of word of mouth or you must be marketing it somehow, either outside of Meetup itself or 
doing more emails than more other people are doing it or, um, you know, putting it on Facebook or putting it on whatever, Eventbrite. So tell us, like, what are you doing to market the meetup so that you can raise more money for, with the attendees? Yeah, so all of the above, right? I mean, I, I'm my, like I said, my marketing is my passion. Other than the data being my passion, marketing is my passion. I love to... So yeah, I mean, meetup.com is, you know, where I started off, but then I figured out that that's not the only channel. There's a Facebook event, there's a, you know, even Bright, so I included all that. And as I was writing weekly blogs, and as part of my blogs, I would mention that, you know, there is a meetup here. So a lot of cross-referencing things going on. My LinkedIn post, you know, referred my blogs, my blogs referred to some kind of meetup event. My meetup event, you know, talk about the whole education platform. So there's a lot of things that came in together, uh, and I, I didn't plan it that way. It just happened that you know I was doing a lot of things that are kind of synergetic. And the other day, you know, I, I and recently I also started posting on Instagram, right? I mean, that was my last thing. I was like, Instagram is for probably you know people who sell merchandise or fashion apparel. I, I never. So that was the platform that I had not uh, even you know publicized on. But recently I got a investor. So you know, you know how I ask everybody, where did you find me? And this guy says, Instagram. I said, holy cow. I said, okay, now let's bump up the Instagram post as well. So yeah, it, it takes, it's, you know, you never know what works, but uh, Meetup was a good starting point. Um, and not every Meetup gets 100 people, but yeah, I mean, it gets up there. Uh, but I can see there is a lot of, you know, interest in the, that Meetup itself. Yeah. One, uh, this, this conversation's taking me back to... Um, Oh, what's his name? I should I should know. I read a book called 10X Rule. Grant Cardone, Cardone. that's who it was. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of friends, several friends who, who were into that. And I was always like, not really into it. I It wasn't really my personality. Um, and I never really resonated that well at the time with Grant Cardone. And people were like, oh, you got to read this. Uh, okay, whatever. I've got an audible. I'll, I'll throw it on there, right? So I think I, got, I paid for it with a credit and um, checked out the book. And as I got into it, I was like, this guy is exactly like me. And Raj, you're doing the exact same thing that, that I'm about to pull out. What it is, is that when, when we're doing our, our meetups, other people do a meetup and they only had just have the meetup event itself in one place and three or four people come or 10 people maybe. But you are posting on Eventbrite. You are posting on Facebook groups and Facebook events and, um, and you're blogging about it. And this is like the 10X rule all as, as, as I think of it. It's like, just try different things. See what sticks. Always be out there. Get in yeah. front of people on, on, in multiple angles. And that's why you're having 100 people at your events. That's, that's good stuff. I really appreciate it. Now, what about systemizing, automating some of the back-end process that mm -hmm. for some of us, it, it takes us a lot of effort or we're just already too overwhelmed to even start because we we're like, that seems like a lot of work to manage hundreds of, of people uh, on our yeah, list. It, it does. It does. And, you know, I, I got overwhelmed pretty quick. I mean, and, you know, I, because every, you want to pay personal attention to everybody and, you know, every question that is asked or everybody wants to meet. So, I mean, after meetup, you know, obviously people say, hey, Raj, can I have a cup of coffee with you? And I've never said no to anybody. 
So, and that cups of coffee, you know, at that time I was drinking so much caffeine that it's just, you know, uh, so I said, okay, let me do something different now because I physically don't have that much time. So I said, you know what? I mean, if you have a general question about this, I'm just putting out an e-guide. You know, why don't you read that first? I mean, that's just my experiences of how I learned what you want to learn. So directed to them that way. And then, you know, and obviously I doing all this, I'm putting a CRM system in place. I used to be a big HubSpot user in my previous job when I did marketing. So I was, you know, familiar with, you know, demand generation kind of technologies. Uh, you know, how do you write a blog and how do you promote a blog and how do you attract uh, the whole funnel thing. And, but, you know, after I transitioned to my startup, you know, I didn't put in my monies into that. But lately I had to, you know, so we bought an active campaign, a systemized active campaign, a lot of automation in there. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but yeah, you got to do a lot of these systems where after any event, you know, you bring them all into a funnel and you sort it out through a funnel, you know, giving them different drips based on their interest levels and eventually see their interest in how far they want to go or they're just tire kickers or they're just seriously interested in investing with you. And so quickly that funnel kind of, you know, filters out people that are really interested and I'm having less coffee and more effective coffees with people that kind of come down the other end. Awesome. I love that. No, this is, so, so the funnel, making sure people know who you are so you're getting mm-hmm. out there, mm-hmm. but instead of having to do lunch or coffee with everybody who wants to get in there, you kind of start by, you, you created something mm-hmm. where it answered a lot of their questions so that you weren't saying the exact same thing every day. You know, like, here I am at coffee, again, discussing IRR. Here I am at coffee, again, discussing uh, cash on cash return. Yes, Here yes. I am. Exactly. And, and so you, might, you created something that it, that it gave, gave the basics and said, if you, you, should, you should take this or you should have this or you should um, read this. And then uh, any other questions that aren't on there, then, then let's let's sit down. Let's yeah. uh, let's make sure that you're you really want to do this before we have that conversation, yes. right? Yes. Exactly. So, what about preparing these lead magnets? What what kind of lead magnets do you have to get people into the funnel? What have you done with them? How do you make sure that people get them? And how do you how do you track what's going on in the background? It sounds like you have multiple of them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, take it away. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So I started with my first lead magnet that's basically explaining what syndication is, right? To, for getting started with real estate syndications. That was my first lead magnet. There's a simple, nice pictures in there, some pictures of me, you know, playing golf. It says, guys, this is what happens when you invest passively. You know, you have, you get back your time just to get people excited about it and just basic terms about syndication. And that that did well for a while and had a bunch of downloads on that. And I uh, People start meeting and saying, you know, what is, so it didn't go into details of, you know, what this is, what that uh, term is. So my next mag, uh, my next um, publishing was 50 terms that you should know before investing in a syndication, five zero terms. That goes into the definitions of IRR, you know, uh, what's accredited investor, what's a sophisticated investor, what's a 506B. So basic terms that you and I, you know, dabble away, but people just coming off of, you know, uh, wouldn't know. So just okay, basic terms. Okay, great. That's great. So, but I'm still not comfortable here. So I put another thing out there, 99 questions you should ask before investing in a syndication. 99 questions? Yeah. 
do you have do you have that handy? Can you give us like a few that we you think that people wouldn't normally? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Consider? I mean, they said, I mean, some of them goes into you know who you knowing your syndicator, right? What is your syndication team? Knowing your markets, knowing your property, the number of units. Uh, I can rattle down, but it's broken into different section. The first section is the syndication. The second section on the property, the deal itself, the business plan, uh, the execution of the business plan. So I take them through what questions that I had been asking and people have been asking me over these coffee sessions, right? Compile them all together. I should have, I could have called it coffee with Raj and compiled it in 99 questions, but uh, yeah, those are, so it's easily available from my website. Um, so I did all that and then I was tracking everybody who's downloading it and you know, uh, I can easily, somebody asked me for coffee, I can always, always check whether that person has downloaded any of these magnets and where they've gotten through. Everything is you know, now trackable through active campaign. And even then, sometimes, you know, people are like, you know, I don't have the time to go through all this. You know, why don't you just tell me a story? So n lately, I put together another one, which has become like the main magnet now. It's called the eight pieces of pie, where the pie is passive investor education. So it's an email course, Adam, which eight day email course, small, you know, bite sized emails that go out every day. And I can track them, too. Right. I can track who is reading the first email, who read the second email. Yeah. And as part of that email chain of the eight days. I drop in these other magnets. So after the third day, I will drop in the, you know, uh, 50 terms you should know. After the fifth day, I will drop in the, the basics of syndication. And on the last, second to last day, I'll drop in the 99 questions you should ask. Now I can track everybody, you know, going through, you know, how much, how much have they done? How much of what I've shared with them? Are they really interested? If somebody's really interested in knowing what I do and working with me and investing alongside, would have taken the effort to go through that. So I get a good sense of that. And it's been great. I mean, a lot of people have gone through the course and, uh, you know, loving it. So, man, I have so many questions for you. I love this. Okay. The next one that I think that I should ask you is who is your perfect avatar? Like what I teach my clients when I help people raise money, I tell them that they have to have an avatar. And we get really specific on age, uh, race, job title, male or female, uh, how many kids they have. I, I try to get real specific. So what do, do you have an avatar? I or? absolutely, yeah. I okay, actually tell have, us about and that. that was a big thing, big revelation that I had that when I was getting all these questions and I looked at my investor base, right? And I said, you know, who has invested with me? I have all these investors that are interested in, you know, discussing or talking or coming to coffee, but who has really invested with me? Either they're friends, if you take them, those friends out, then who else is there, right? So my avatar kind of narrowed down to people who are, you know, working in their high, you know, late 40s, early 50s, same age group as I am, have a technology background, um, typically a male, but could be females too. Usually, you know, uh, couples, they work together. They have kids that are in college or about to go to college. I don't, I didn't do it much with race, but, you know, uh, but so, but that was my avatar. It's not somebody that I can say, hey, I'll give you passive income and you can retire today or day after tomorrow. No, these guys are making enough money. They have enough money. They just want to diversify their portfolio. So instead of preaching them, you know, retire in four years, they don't want to retire. They're happy with their jobs. You know, yeah, additional side income would be not bad, but they really want to diversify their portfolio. You know, they are doing well in some cases or most cases, they even have a financial advisor that is advising them to put more money into you know, stocks or whatever. But here I am telling them, hey guys, I'm not telling you to 
move money away from stocks. I'm only saying that stock market is going well right now. Tomorrow it can go down and you'll have no control over it. Uh, but so invest in something that is, it's not maybe liquid as the stock market, but it's something tangible. Invest in real estate. And, you know, I can show you the ways, the ways I've done it. Passive income is great. But look at the benefits, right? The, the diversification benefit, the tax benefit. So, yeah, so my avatar is slightly older person that is uh, doing well in their job. I, I'm not sure about the title, but they are at a senior level, I would say. And the other uh, part of the thing is there are a lot of business people in, in my portfolio as well, people invested with things, because their, their thing is to get the tax benefits of multifamily. Okay. Business owners, you mean, owners, like entrepreneurs yes. uh, yeah. that are doing well. Got it. Very interesting. Man, Raj, this is one of my favorite interviews. I'm really enjoying this. And, you know, I, I want to collaborate with you on some of your, you, you mentioned four different lead magnets. Mm -hmm. The first one, which was, I think, the basics. The second one, which was like 50, 50 questions, uh, questions 50, terms. 50, 50, terms. 50 terms you need to know before you invest passively. And then it was the 99 questions, questions you that you have answered. to ask the yeah. um, sponsors. Yeah. And then what was the fourth one again? The fourth one was the eight pieces of pie. Yeah, which is okay. Email, email, email course. But that combines everything into it uh, together. It give it lets them uh, consume the content one bite at a time. Yeah, one bite at a time. I like that. That's cool. Really good stuff. And you're tracking all of this. Yes, I'm so tracking. here's my here's my next question. I think it's a really important question. Number one, why um, why do all of this stuff? There's some listeners that might think that you don't have to do all of this stuff before you, you know, create syndications and raise money. So if they believe that you might not have to do this, why are, why are you doing this? Uh, that's just work for me. I mean, I, I absolutely believe that there is other ways to do it. I mean, there is, I have friends in, you know, syndication who say, Raj, why, what the hell, why are you doing marketing for? Why do you need marketing? It's like, because, you know, I'm not as well connected as you are just yet. And someday maybe, you know, then I will the repeat customers will come in and I don't have to write that many blogs. But right now, you know, the investor base is new. They're still learning for me. And I need to put my name out there that I am a sort of an authority in this now. I understand what I'm, you know, sharing with them. I understand what I'm investing in. I'm investing alongside with them uh, and why they can take this bet with me. Really good stuff. Raj, what other parting advice do you have for a listener who wants to follow your footsteps? You know, I mean, the, the only thing I can say is, first thing, they have to educate yourself. I mean, you have to ed get educated. You have to know uh, if you're, and take this thing very seriously. I mean, this is, if, if, you're, if you have a deal and you're taking somebody's private money, you know, it's a big responsibility that you're taking along. And you have to be SEC compliant, you know, pay attention to that. So there is a lot of things that you have to pay attention to, and this is no joke. So get educated, make sure you're compliant, and make sure you trust everybody. You take everybody's money as your own money. You treat it as your own money. And you know, do good, and good things will happen. You mentioned your website, a place where we could go to get into your funnel. If there's a listener who wants to jump in there, including myself, I think I'm going to jump in there. What's the best way for us to find that website? So www.smartcapitalmgmt.com. So smartcapitalmgmt.com. 
Okay, got it. And we will throw that link in the show notes. Uh, Raj, how do you give back? So I actually give back in multiple ways, right? One is I, this whole my philosophy of, you know, sharing education is, is one way of giving. So I've learned stuff, stuff. I want to give it back to the other budding syndicators. On a personal front, I work with, you know, a, a nonprofit that does a lot of education-based stuff in, for kids in India, underprivileged kids. So I'm hoping that I can, you know, uh, keep doing that as my passion uh, to, you know, help not even in just monetary, but also in my time. Uh, and this, uh, my new role in this whole full-time syndicator allows me, you know, to take time off um, and you know, travel to different places, travel to India, you know, visit some of these places and still be, you know, adding my value of time and my money to some of these organizations. Well, I know we got your website so we can jump into your funnel and see what you're doing and work with you. What about just the number one best way to get a hold of Raj Techindani? Did well, I say it right that time? Absolutely, Tech man. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, best ways, and I'm always looking at my email. I check my email. So R-A-J, Raj, at smartcapitalmgmt.com. Easiest way to get Awesome. That. Awesome. Raj, thank you for coming on the show. I'm going to let you go, my friend, but until my, next time. My pleasure, think, man. My pleasure. <laughs> think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, think outside the box. <laughs>